Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today's the foodie one, so it's time to put some summer sunshine into your food plan. We have four delicious foods to review, which will appeal to your taste buds as well as your performance and recovery. Welcome to the Food Force Spotlight series. For us, food is never just fuel. It provides a wide range of nutrients to support the many aspects of our health and also to promote physiological adaptations for our running performance. These short informative ed- episodes are dedicated to food and meal planning. We'll spotlight key foods to support your running and we'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Ronner's Health Hub. Welcome back. I'm Karen and I'm here today with Aileen once again. How are you, Aileen, today? Oh, I'm good. Thank you, Karen. Uh, we're sort of in the middle of the summer and uh, I'm getting ready, actually, in a couple of weeks time to go and do the coast to coast walk um, across England. So starting on the West Coast and crossing through the Lake District and the Pennines and over to the Yorkshire Dales. Um, wow. And then finishing on the East Coast. So that's... Um, sort of about two weeks away now I think it's coming up thick and fast so uh, yeah my mind is beginning to wander towards holidays so I'm uh, I'm feeling the holiday spirit coming over me. Oh what a lovely feeling and how long are you expecting it to take you to do the coast to coast? Um, I think it's about 17 or 18 days I haven't um, it's all in my diary, but I haven't really engaged that much with it, to be honest. Yeah. I'm getting to the point where I need to check where I'm going to be on certain days. And uh, I'm doing it with a group of friends. So, um, And uh, we've got a company that's organising our accommodation and collecting our luggage every day. So we, we're just really walking with hand, yeah. hand pack every day. Yeah, backpack. And so yeah. it shouldn't be uh, not too heavy. Oh, and, gosh, how exciting. So actually, today's topic's quite appropriate for you as well, Aileen. It is, it is. Because today, everybody, um, we're spotlighting food for summer running or summer walking in Aileen's case. Yes. Um, And from a health and nutritional viewpoint as a a runner, our aims for this episode are to really consider some foods that may support exercise performance as you run or walk through through the summertime. And we'll focus on four different summertime foods and outline 
their nutritional properties. We'll then consider how they could be added as part of your meal plan and giving you some menu ideas. And then finally, we'll share a one day menu plan using these four key foods. So the four foods that we're going to discuss today are new potatoes, tomatoes, watermelon and radishes so quite an exciting and eclectic mix of foods here so so let's start by discussing the nutritional properties of each food one by one so Aileen what can you tell us about new potatoes and how they could support our running during the summer Okay, so so new potatoes are, are you know they're delicious and tasty and uh, we all love them and because they're so small they're easy and quick to cook um, so uh, you know they're they're almost like a fast food really because they only take a few minutes to cook and you know obviously everybody will know that the key macronutrient in potatoes is carbohydrate and we know that if we don't have optimal carbohydrate in our food plans that could be a limiting factor in our running performance. And I think naturally in the summer, we tend to want to eat lighter foods. So we might not be so keen on eating some of the starchy carbohydrate foods that we do during the winter. So I think new potatoes are a good um, option for us. Mm-hmm. So in, in an average portion of new potatoes, which um, you know, all the literature states has been about 125 grams or just over five ounces, there's actually 25 grams of carbohydrate. So that approximately, I measured it, I actually measured this out, Karen, you'd be very pleased with me. I got four potatoes, four baby potatoes out and worked out that that was about five ounces. Um, okay, so that I could share you. that with everybody. Yes. Um, so, so that would be, you know, from my point of view, that would be a portion for everyday nutrition. And it doesn't seem a lot you know, four little potatoes, you might feel that you, you're you not getting what you need. But if you were following the everyday um, food plan, then that would be a good portion. But as an endurance runner, um, particularly on the days that you're doing longer runs, more intensive runs, you might need to follow an athlete's portion plate. And those are the, the portion plates that we share with people in the Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. And you would likely need to have double or treble that portion of potatoes in one meal time, uh, depending on what your training requirements are. So I think it's interesting to bear that in mind. And uh, just another little thing that I do, Karen, because, uh, you know, I'm always very conscious of my carbs. And, you know, on the days that I'm not doing the long runs, I, I sort of try to make sure my carbs are enough, but not over mm-hmm. eating them. So uh, one of the things I do is I slice my potatoes before I cook them. And it does actually look like when you when you cook them sliced, you actually get quite a big portion. And I think it's one of those optical illusion things with people you know, yeah. if you might think that you're not getting enough, but if you do something like that, you realize actually it is quite a good portion. So um, if you're somebody like me who has to monitor uh, your carbohydrates, that's my hack mm. <laughs> to make you feel as though you're getting enough. Absolutely. I think that's a really good tip, Aileen. And also, you know, you were saying that they cook quite quickly, but they'd cook even more quickly if you sliced them first as well, wouldn't they? They do indeed. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're steaming them, um, because that takes a bit longer than boiling. So um, so it would be very quick. Mm. 
Yeah, thank you for that tip, Aileen. And um, so you've spoken about carbohydrates in potatoes, which I think most of us are aware that there is some, but maybe not a lot of people are aware that there's 25 grams of carbohydrates in a portion size. So that's really uh, interesting and, and key information for a runner to know, actually. But are there any other macronutrients in, in new potatoes or or in any white potatoes, really? Well, well, there's no fat, um, as you would probably realise, and there is a small amount of protein. So there's about three grams of protein in the portion size that I mentioned. So, um, you know, it will contribute a little bit to your uh, protein requirements for the day. Um, And there's also a little bit of fibre. So uh, there's a small amount of fibre, about two grams in that portion. So again, um, that's important for, for lots of reasons. And when potatoes are cooked and left to become cold, they develop something called resistant starch, which is really helpful for digestive health because the resist- resistant starch feeds the colonic bacteria um, so that they grow and proliferate and that will support a healthy microbiome. So um, eating a cold potato or having a potato salad would be a good way of doing that and that would really help um you know, be good for your gut, basically. So, you know, if you've got some cup, some potatoes, you might want to have them later, you know, as part of a salad or something like that. And that would be good. Um, I think the other thing that's worth noting is that potatoes are high, are high in um, glycemic index. So they're a high GI food. And um, we'll have talked about this again in previous episodes, but just to remind everybody um, that that will mean that the glucose content of the potato will get into your bloodstream quickly, uh, which is quite crucial, you know, for us who are trying to uh, maintain our uh, glucose levels. And, and I've I've heard about some ultra runners and and people like Ironman athletes who will eat boiled skinless potatoes as part of their fueling plans during events so I thought that was quite interesting Mm. um, that people are using um, potatoes as a carbohydrate source of food Um, so thinking about the the GL or the uh, the GI um, we we are usually suggesting that people follow a low GL food plan so a low glycemic load food plan and that's um, really to help people manage body composition as well as um, energy levels. So it's all about um, managing your blood sugar levels. Um, So if on the parts of the week (laughs) that you are concentrating on that, if you want to lower the GIGL effect of of these potatoes, you can do that by eating them alongside some protein. So that would be ideal after training or racing. Um, But if you're using them as a way of um, getting some carbohydrates into your system quickly you would just eat them on their own Uh, and another thing just to um, bear in mind the way you cook a potato will also affect its GI content so if you ever look at any um, GI food list you'll see that baked potatoes have got a higher glycemic index than boiled potatoes And, and that's all to do with the chemical structure that changes in the potato when you cook it um and also cool potatoes have a lower GI. So um, that's just a little bit of background there to the um, the glycemic index content of a potato. Mm, I think that is really interesting because you would just think whether you boiled it, baked it, steamed it, the, the GI content would be the same, but, mm. but really not. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. So, um, Karen, I wondered if you could just um, talk to us about any research that is around eating potatoes to support endurance sports. Yes, I have to say it's not something that is readily available. There is a little bit of research out there, but but not a huge amount on on potatoes as a source of of fuel. But there was one in 2019 called the title they gave it was potato ingestion is as effective as carbohydrate gels to support prolonged cycling performance. So this research was done at the University of Illinois and the researchers were comparing the performance of elite cyclists when they were fed three different substances. So they got either a carbohydrate gel an identical amount of carbohydrate, but as potato puree. And then the third one was a placebo. Now, there were, it's a very small study. So 12 athletes each did a two hour time trial um, under each condition on separate days. So they all had to try all the different approaches and all were fed through a syringe. So they had no idea what they were being fed. And um, the physiology was tracked minute by minute. Now, the performance suffered in the placebo condition, which I suppose is to be accepted and unexpected. Um, but overall, the distances were comparable um, when the athletes got sugar um, and when they got um, potato puree. So so they, there wasn't much difference at all. Now, what I would sort of add here is that the research was funded by a grant from the potato industry. So that has to be taken into consideration. But I do think the results demonstrate that you do need carbohydrate availability for any endurance sport, whether it's from a gel or whether it's from a potato. So um, so I think that's really the takeaway message from this piece of um a piece of research. But what I would also caution about here, and um, when looking at this piece of research and for people who might be considering this, is that the cyclists, when they ate the potatoes, they experienced higher levels of um, abdominal pain, flatulence, and bloating. And um, and the effect might be due to the fact that to get enough carbohydrate, the cyclists had to eat the pureed equivalent or four potatoes per hour. That sounds like a lot of potatoes per hour. If you mm-hmm. yeah. So um, you can understand that taking a gel might be an easier option, although the potato is going to be a more pure option. Mm-hmm. And another thing to think about here is that, you know, it is often suggested that athletes have a combination of glucose and fructose sources um, for for energy. But um, and, and you'll find though that in the commercially available gels. But when potatoes break down, they break down into glucose only. So that might have led to some of the digestive effects as well. So. Um, So I think from our viewpoint, we're really just suggesting that potatoes are a great nutritional source of carbohydrate and micronutrients and may be best used either pre or post training in your in your meals pre and post. Um, But an interesting piece of research, I think. Um, So, Aileen, just moving on, uh, could you maybe tell us about the micronutrients that you find out about potatoes? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot of micronutrients in potatoes. And I think, again, 
you know, you, people tend to just think of potatoes as being starch. And I think potatoes have got a bit of a bad rap over the years. So it's good to know that they've got quite a lot of micronutrients in them. So uh, vitamin C, um, which, you know, we usually associate with things like citrus vegetables and, and green leafy vegetables, but you do get some vitamin C in your potatoes. Um, so that would work out usually around approximately 27 grams per portion. And when I'm talking about portions, I'm always going back to this five ounce portion um, that we mentioned at the beginning. Um, and as a runner, you know, vitamin C is really important for collagen production and iron absorption. That's sort of what is top of mind as well as you know, for the immune system and lots of other functions too. Um, vitamin B6 is also part of a potato. So it's a small amount, uh, 0.2 milligrams per portion. Um, but vitamin B6 is really important for carbohydrate and protein metabolism. So if you were depleted in that, you might find that um, your metabolism wasn't as um, optimal. Um, it also contains, uh, potatoes also contain potassium. And um, this is an interesting little fact. Uh, there's actually more potassium in a portion of potatoes than a banana. And I think runners, we get a bit fixated on bananas, mm. don't we? Mm. Um, so, um, 620 grams of potassium in a portion of potatoes and a banana is around about 400 grams depending on the size of banana. Um, so, you know, for, again, as a runner's point of view, we know that potassium is a really important electrolyte. We often lose potassium in sweat. So it's one of those electrolytes that's important to replenish. So perhaps eating potatoes as part of your post-run meal uh, would be supportive. Um, and then finally, there is another class of nutrients in potatoes called uh, carotenoids, and um, they're found mostly in yellow and red potatoes and, and other yellow and red vegetables and, and, and fruits. Um, but, you know, you think there's a whole range of different potatoes. Um, so if you look at the yellow and the red ones, this is where you'll find them. Uh, and there's also small amounts found in the, the white potatoes. Um, so the, these uh, nutrients I wouldn't say are particularly crucial for runners, but they're good for uh, good health. And lutein is one of the uh, nutrients that's really important for eye health. So, you know, you're getting quite a lot from that small portion of vegetables. Yeah, it's quite an array there, isn't it? There is, yeah, mm. not uh, what you would normally expect. No, no. Okay, so Karen, um, I wondered if you could share with us um, if you've got any nice ways of using new potatoes, Karen. Mm, yeah, I have to say I do love uh, new potatoes and they are a sign of summer, aren't they? Um, mm. And I love them just plain boiled or steamed um, with some fresh mint or maybe lightly roasted with garlic and rosemary. I always think garlic and rosemary is a lovely combination and goes so well with roast potatoes. And also served hot or cold with dressings or dips and sliced in a frittata. I do that quite a lot um, or put into egg muffins. And of course, the the, um, the Spanish dish, patatas bravas, which is lovely. Actually, I, you, you've reminded me, Aileen, I haven't made patatas bravas for such a long time. And it's such a tasty um, dish, either side dish or starter or something mm. like that. So you've got me thinking about that. So yeah, well, they're all delicious. And, um, you know, I think the thing about summer food is keep it simple, isn't it? Just enjoy the taste, keep it simple, make it easy to cook and 
um, sit in the garden and enjoy it. That's what I think. Um, so, so let's um, let's have a chat about tomatoes now. That's our second food, um, which is uh, closely linked to the potatoes bravas because, of course, we use tomatoes in that recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, tomatoes are available all year round. So, you know, you'd be you know, you might be fooled into think they're not a summer veg, but you know, seasonally they're they're best in the summer. And I think a bit like potatoes, everybody would agree that summer tomatoes are the most delicious. That's when you really mm-hmm. taste um, get a taste of summer, as you said, Karen. Um, and I think because we're eating. Um, the, the taste really comes in the summer because we're, we're probably eating local produce that's in season, whereas in the winter we're choosing um, tomatoes that have been imported from different places. Um, and the ones that we eat locally in season, they, they've been ripened naturally, uh, probably without any additional chemicals. So that's why you, you get that lovely um, flavour. Um, so tomatoes mm. are botanically known as a as a um, the clusters of fruit actually rather but we use them as a vegetable in a culinary sense um, and they're also known as a nightshade vegetable uh, so other common nightshades are things like green potatoes and aubergines and, and there are a number of others and um, they contain a compound called uh, solanine which in some instances may be inflammatory now that doesn't affect everybody um, often people with autoimmune conditions or things like um, arthritis will avoid nightshades. Um, But as I say, this doesn't affect everyone. And for most people, tomatoes would be considered a really nutritious fruit or vegetable, however you decide to class them. Yeah, yeah. And one of the key nutrients in tomatoes and the most researched, I think, is lycopene. Um, And it's classed as an antioxidant. And the redder a tomato, the more lycopene it will contain. Now, it's a fat soluble nutrient. So eating your tomatoes alongside some olive oil would be a great way to maximize the absorption of the lycopene. And also, um, cooking your tomatoes or using canned tomatoes contains or or enriches that lycopene levels so more so than eating them fresh and raw so that's interesting isn't it because generally speaking um nutrients are more abundant in the food's raw form but in certain cases and this isn't just with tomatoes there are a few other vegetables or fruits as well um or the nutrients within and um, but lycopene is one that um is going to be much richer once the food has been cooked yeah yeah that is a really good point karen there and mm. um, um I'm going to cough here. I do apologise. I just have a little tickle in my throat, so I've yes. suddenly coughed. <laughs> Excuse me. Hopefully that's me got it over with. Um, have you got some water there? I do. I do, yes. Yeah, so yeah. The, just sort of um, as a bit of an overview about the um, why tomatoes are so um, contribute to good health. Um, there's quite a lot of research um, around tomatoes and tomato-based products and you know the in summary they you know the research is saying that those nutrients in tomatoes and those tomato based products are linked to improved skin health lower risk of heart disease and cancer um and you know there's a lot of research if you go looking for it to um back that up there are a few um small studies looking at the benefit to athletes in particular they seem to have done some studies around um, consuming tomato juice, um, I suppose, because that's an easy thing to measure. Um, so athletes cons- consuming tomato juice on a regular basis um, 
appears to reduce inflammatory markers. So that's a sort of a bit of a, a broad brush statement. But again, mm. that seems to be where the, the research is, is, in, is taking us. Okay, and that's, that's interesting, isn't it? But I don't think, like you say, Aileen, I think they're very small studies and very few of them as well into, into tomato juice. At this stage, you know, you never know where the research is going in the future. Um, but, but tomatoes are also rich in lots of other nutrients as well, including vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin B9, and also vitamin K. And they also contain calcium and potassium, the same as uh, potatoes, and other anti-inflammatory agents um, such as naringenin, which we've actually talked about naringenin before in episode 32 when speaking about food for metabolism, so that metabolic rate. So um, naringenin is really good for helping speed that up. So lots of nutrients in a tomato. Um, Aileen, could you maybe sort of give us some summer food ideas using tomatoes that you enjoy making? Yeah, well, there's lots of ways to use tomatoes in the summer. And, um, you know, as we said earlier, to optimise the lycopene, you could um, roast the tomatoes with garlic and then just have them as a nice side dish, either hot or warm or even cold. Um, I quite like to make a warm summer tomato soup. I usually do that with roasted tomatoes. It gives it a lovely flavour. So that's a nice light soup. Uh, people always think of soup as just being a winter thing, but I think there are some nice light summer soups that you can make. Mm. Um, an easy and lovely lunch would be to make a salad caprese. So that's like that classic Italian salad that you make with um, lovely ripe red tomatoes into slices and you um, layer tomatoes and mozzarella cheese, drizzle a bit of olive oil, which again is going to help maximise that absorption of lycopene and scatter a few basil leaves on the top. So that's a very super simple uh, lunch dish. Um, your favourite, Karen, that you've mentioned mm -hmm. before would be the chilled gazpacho soup. Um, so we've talked about that in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I quite like a, a spicy tomato juice or even just a simple side, side salad. You know, they're, they're easy and nice to have, um, especially when you've got that lovely taste. And then finally, um, something that I've made a few times in the past is a nice uh, tomato granita um, and that is a really nice palate cleanser so again a nice thing to have as mm -hmm. part of a, a lunch or a dinner. Absolutely some great ideas there Aileen and just thinking about the tomato juice what would you say would be the best way to make a homemade tomato juice um, and also the granita that sounds really lovely as well I don't know if you can expand on on how to make a good granita. Yeah, sure. So it's starting with the tomato juice. So um, there are some recipes which are raw and there are some that are cooked. So I, I tend to prefer the raw recipe. So basically, um, you know, again, using ripe tomatoes, cut the tomatoes into quarters, take out that white hard core that's in the middle, um, put them in a blender, add some diced celery, a pinch of salt, a little bit of honey, you know, teaspoon is more than enough, and maybe some Tabasco sauce, and then just blend it. Um, mm. So that is um, really quick and easy. I have seen some recipes which suggest, um, you know, blanching the tomatoes, removing the skin, taking the seeds out, 
and then cooking the tomatoes and then blending and sipping the liquid. To me, that seems a lot of steps. Um, <laughs> so I tend to, that doesn't really appeal to me. Um, and then you would, you would just chill the liquid uh, before serving. So that's, yeah. uh, that's how I would do a tomato juice. Yeah, I have to say, Aileen, I like the idea of the, the raw form as well, just because, just because of time, you know, we're always speaking about, um, a lot of runners not having time. So I think the raw, the raw variety would be one for us, wouldn't it? So, yeah. um, but how about the granita? What can you tell us about it? Yeah, well, again, it's not too difficult. And it's one of those you get a lot of brownie points when you make it. <laughs> Friends and family really like it. And I originally got a recipe from BBC Good Food. Um, so their recipe is using um, a kilogram of very ripe tomatoes and you cut them into chunks, um, you know, with the skin and the seeds and everything. Uh, you put it in a bowl, you add a teaspoon of salt, of black pepper, teaspoon of sugar, um, a teaspoon of red wine vinegar, and then you leave it um, covered in the bowl overnight. So all the flavors develop overnight. And then the next day, you just uh, blend all the ingredients. So just put them in the blender, give it a good blitz. Once it's um, in a liquid form, you would stir in some shredded basil. Um, and then what you do is you pour the mixture into a shallow tray and freeze the liquid until the, um, the you've got like frozen crystals sort of around the edge and it's slushy in the middle. And then you break the ice up with a fork into smaller crystals, return to the freezer. And you do that every half hour, you know, at least three times until it's completely frozen. You sort of get a texture that's a bit like snow. Mm. Um, so a little bit labor intensive, but, you know, it's not too difficult to do. Mm. Um, I've, I've read about a quicker method, um, which is you would freeze the liquid in an ice tray and then you would put all the ice cubes into a food processor and blitz it in the food processor just before serving so I've not tried that but I've, I've, you know it sounds as though it would work doesn't it it does it does yes but I like your idea of the freezer and just making the proper uh, granita yeah and then what you do is just serve it in a glass and it might be part of a meal or maybe it's just a nice cooler on a hot day you know it's just something that you know might be really enjoyable to have on a hot day um it might even work in an ice lolly you know to uh, or a popsicle type of thing mm. um and once for a dinner party i made it into a frozen bloody mary cocktail with vodka uh, which went out very well i have to say too. <laughs> but that's maybe not one to try if you if you before or after a run that might not be such a great idea no, maybe not, Aileen, but uh, but I'll definitely be trying the granita in some form or, or another because it does sound really delicious and, like you say, really freshing, really cooling um, on, on a hot day. Mm. So definitely one to, tr to be trying. Okay, so shall we move on now and look at watermelon? So um, thinking about the nutritional properties of watermelon, as you can imagine, as the name suggests, it is made up of 95 percent water but it does also contain lots of really good important nutrients for example vitamin c beta carotene which is converted into vitamin a but also potassium vitamin b5 copper lycopene as well um so really quite similar ingredient um, nutrients to uh, tomatoes which is Ooh. really interesting but it does also contain um uh, citrulline, which is a non-essential amino acid. So that 
basically means that the body can make it itself. Um, and we know that usually amino acids are used to make protein. But with regards to citrulline, it's a precursor to L-arginine, which improves blood flow. And it does this by creating nitric oxide. So we tend to associate uh, the likes of beetroot um, with nitric oxide. But um, the citrulline within watermelon can do the same. And this nitric oxide is a gas that helps to dilate the blood vessels. And it's also thought that um, citrulline may stimulate that muscle protein synthesis, which is really important for us as a, as a runner because we want to be lean. We want to have that muscle for power. And um, I have to say, we all love the sweet taste of watermelon, which is due to the combination of of different sugars, um, including glucose, sucrose and fructose. So um, now the seeds of watermelon, and there are lots of seeds in watermelon. I sometimes see people picking these seeds out and I just think, no, 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 they're so soft and nutritious, mm -hmm. just eat them. And, um, and because they are enriched with protein, uh, with fat and also moderate levels of iron and zinc. So very nutritious. So don't don't pick them out. <laughs> and, um, and watermelon has also been used to support cardiovascular diseases, obesity, diabetes, ulcers and various types of cancers as well. So there's quite a bit of research into watermelon and its uh, and its health benefits. So, um, so Aileen, when you were looking at, at this, did you find any interesting studies about watermelon? Yeah, there was quite a few studies, which was very interesting. And uh, one that, that um, I thought was interesting was a sort of an oldish study. It was done in 2013 and it was a small study of seven athletes. All of these foodie studies tend to be small studies. Um, but what they did was they, um, they supplied the athletes with 500 milliliters of natural watermelon juice, which contained 1.17 grams of L-citrulline. And the, they also supplied an enriched watermelon juice, which had 4.83 grams of L-citrulline plus the 1.7 grams from the watermelon. So it was like an en enriched juice and, and a placebo. So a similar sort of style of study to the one that you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, Karen. Uh, and the conclusion was that both of the watermelon juices helped to reduce the recovery heart rate and muscle soreness after 24 hours. So their conclusion was that drinking watermelon juice post-run helped to lessen the post-exercise muscle soreness. Um, so I guess drinking the juice straight or adding the juice to your favorite smoothie recipe um, would be a way that we could incorporate it into our sort of everyday running food plans. So mm -hmm. I thought that was good. Um, yeah. I also found, and again, I think this is, it seems to be quite typical that because there's all these smaller studies, every now and again, a group of scientists will get together and they'll do a systematic review and a, a meta-analysis of all the studies to just like have a big overview of what's going what's been going on in research and see if there's any conclusions that can be drawn by looking at a body of research mm -hmm. so this review was done in 2019 and they were looking at determining the effects of citrulline su supplements um, underlined on the on post-exercise rating of perceived exertion 
of muscle soreness and also of blood lactate levels. Um, so this analysis looked at 13 eligible articles and included a total of 206 participants. Um, and it was found that the most frequent dosage used in these studies was eight grams of citrulline malate. So just to reiterate, this was research looking at supplements rather than food. Um, so the results really supported that um, citrulline su supplements are effective in lowering this rating of perceived exertion and muscle soreness. And um, athletes seem to be able to benefit from ingesting either the L-citrulline alone or, or uh, citrulline malate one hour before exercise, uh, which helps resist fatigue and relieve that muscle soreness. Um, and they also said that citrulline supplements were particularly recommended for power and strength athletes, and that would help them adequately recover and subsequently, subsequently be able to train at their desired intensity level. So I think that's quite an important uh, point as well. Mm. Um, and that they just concluded by saying that there needed to be further evidence, which they always say really, don't they? There needs to be further evidence yeah. to confirm that this is the right thing to do. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think all relevant and interesting. It is, it is. And, and so really what we could do is to try consuming watermelon as a food or a juice one hour before exercise um, or, or maybe post-run as well. Um, and it sounds that we could do that at the very least. And if it's, if nothing else, it could be helping replenish carbohydrates and contributing towards our lycopene and, um, and citrulline status. But also it's going to be helping our hydration levels as well. So there are so many different reasons potentially to, um, to, to have watermelon pre and or post training. And just one last bit of nutritional information to share before we move on. You know, watermelon is considered a high FODMAP food. So if you do have any digestive issues, do check how you respond to watermelon by maybe eating or drinking a little rather than large portions, just to see if there's any negative symptoms. Um, and if you do experience any symptoms, then I would advise that you that you then avoid it and use other foods to to gain these um, precious nutrients. So, Aileen, how much do we need to eat of the watermelon? Well, I mean, it's always a bit tricky when it's things that you can't quite measure, is it? And every, every watermelon will be slightly different. Mm. But roughly a large chunk of watermelon, which would give you around about two cups of fruit, will provide about 21 grams of carbohydrate, and, um, you know, as we said earlier, that's in the form of glucose and fructose. So that's quite a nice combination. Um, and a, a, so having a, a slice of watermelon as a refreshing post-recovery snack uh, will will be really helpful. And that's going to help replenish the, replenish the carbohydrates and helping you rehydrate, as you just said there, Karen. So mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, that's a, a lovely way to come back from a run, isn't it? To know that yeah, you've got a chilled watermelon snack yeah, for yeah. you. Um, and if you wanted to add a bit of protein to support that recovery, you know, adding some Greek yogurt would be a really easy option. Yeah, yeah, really good. And my favourite way really to enjoy watermelon is to have 
big chunks of it ready, sitting, waiting for me as a post-drawn snack. Or I'll maybe have it as a smoothie and blend that with almond or coconut butter with a little bit of basil or maybe fresh mint. It just depends what mood I'm in. Um, And then this smoothie, I have to say, freezes really well. So it's one that could be prepared ahead or um, it's a good way of also using up leftover watermelon. Um, So those are my ideas. Mm, How about you, you, Aileen? How do you eat watermelon? Uh, Well, all of the above, I would say. (laughs) I do all of everything that you do. Uh, And um, as as a meal, I quite like watermelon topped with feta cheese and some chopped herbs. Um, it also goes really well with tomatoes. So they're, they're great as um, either a starter or a main course. Again, I've found lots of people enjoying that if I've made that for them. Um, and, you know, I think the watermelon would actually make a really good granita, a bit like the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could make it into ice lollies or popsicles. So um, there's lots of different ways you can use it. But, you know, it's like all of these foods. It's just so lovely on their own. I don't think anything beats a giant slice of melon straight from the yeah. fridge. You know, that lovely chilled, crunchy yeah. way yeah. and just, um, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, going back to the salad, uh, Aileen, I remember going on a trip to France with you. We were in Morzine up in the mountains and you made I think we were trying to use up leftover food before we went home and you made this watermelon. Yes. And, you know, I had never thought about using watermelon in a salad. And since then, you know, if I do have watermelon, because it's always so big, isn't it? Mm. I I never know what to do with it and how how to use it up. And that is one of the things I do now is just make it into a salad. And it's such a lovely, crisp, fresh salad with the feta cheese and the herb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really lovely. Oh, that's taking me back to holidays again. Oh, no, again. (laughs) My favourite place, my happy place being on holiday. Okay, so so now let's talk about radishes, our fourth and final food for the day. Mm. Um, So I chose radishes uh, mainly because they're very seasonal. They look lovely and pretty, but most people don't know what to do with them, including me. Um, So, you know, everybody tends to slice them into a salad and not know what else to do with them. So the, the radishes are those little spicy, peppery, little root vegetables they are part of the cruciferous family of vegetables um so you know similar to the um, broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage that type of vegetable uh, they're low in calories they do provide some fiber and a good source of vitamin c folate b6 potassium manganese and calcium um, and they also contain some antioxidants called anthocyanins, and it's the anthocyanins which give radishes the bright range of colours. So you you get all sorts of different radishes. You know, you'll get red ones, you get yellow ones, orange ones. You know, you'll see lots of different ones around, um, and they're tiny, but it's just good to know that they're going to give you lots of different nutrients. Yeah, they do really pack a punch, don't they, regarding nutrients, considering how small they are. And um, and you were saying, Aileen, that they're from the cruciferous family, which means that they'll contain uh, glucosinates. Now, these glucosinates are sulfur-containing compounds that play a role in the regulatory functions for inflammation, but also um, regulating stress response, detoxification, and they have antioxidant 
activities and also antimicrobial properties. So they really are a very, very health-promoting um, uh, little little root vegetable. Yeah, that that's correct, Karen. They they, they are tiny, um, but yeah, they and they do play a very similar role to the cruciferous and brassica type vegetables, as we mentioned. You know all of those uh, dark green leafy vegetables and the, the vegetables that are really important for female health. Um, so, um, yeah, it's another good way of getting them in, you know, <laughs> getting those, really? those vegetables into you. So unsurprisingly, I didn't find any sports-related research mm-hmm. looking at radishes Um so I don't think they've hit the uh, sports world yet. Um, but I think they're a lovely summer seasonal vegetable and that is just another way of adding value to our nutritional status. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 all the different nutrients that you've mentioned, Aileen, especially the, the vitamin C, the vitamin B6, and also the anti-inflammatory properties that it has indirectly, they're all going to support um, our our running performance, even though the research isn't there to back that up at the moment. So now on to how you can eat them. So I think everybody will probably think about adding them to a salad or maybe eating them whole with a nice dip. But um, Possibly you haven't thought about roasting them or adding them to soups or casseroles, um, which you can do, actually. And um, and I have to say, I, I'm one of those people who tend to just add them to the to the um, to salads and making a radish salad. In fact, I haven't even thought about using them in dips until I've mentioned it just now myself. So I'm going to be doing that in the future. Uh, but have you any nice recipes, Aileen? You always come up with with really exotic <laughs> recipes for unusual foods. Well, I do get excited about looking at recipes, so mm. it's nice to find different ways of using foods. But you know, I think I'm like everybody else. You know, I buy a bunch of radishes because they look really pretty I slice a few and some salads then I think what next and then they seem to languish in the fridge so you have to be inventive and uh, you know almost like set yourself a target I'm going to use these within the week and they're not going to lie around much longer than that so I did find a really nice um, website called Bon Appetit uh, and I'll put the links in the um, in the show notes. But they had a blog about radish recipes. Mm-hmm. So what I did was pick out some um, some recipes that appealed to me, and uh, and I'll share them just now. So the first one was uh, radishes served with a dip, uh, which is made of creme fraiche and a Japanese blend called furikake. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. So furikake is a, a sort of a nutty, crunchy unami flavored blend and in japan they use it to season rice and you can buy it already blended in asian supermarkets or you can make your own Uh, and if you choose to make your own you you would blend it in a spice mill and it's a mix of sea salt flakes toasted sesame seeds chili flakes uh, the nori seaweed sheets and um, you would blend all of that up and then you would mix it with some lemon zest um, and then what you do is you prepare your radishes, you wash them, quarter them, slice them, however way you want to eat them. And you would um, set them out on a plate with a little dish of creme fraiche and you'd sprinkle the furikake uh, blend on top of the creme fraiche. And then you would just dip the um the radishes in them so that's really a really lovely thing to serve with a side dish of smoked salmon or maybe just with a lot of different salads i think that's um, a nice 
That sounds delicious, Aileen, I have to say, and so unusual. Delicious, and it looks lovely as well. Mm. So it's uh, it's a really lovely thing to have. Um, uh, As you you mentioned earlier, Karen, I mean, you can use radishes as an accompaniment to salads, or you can use it as a main ingredient to salads. So the one that I've chosen um, here is a potato, fennel, and radish salad. So I thought, well, it's a good way of using our summer new potatoes. Mm. Fennel is one of my favorite vegetables and I, I like it raw or I like it roasted as well mm. or even griddled. It, it's nice griddled too. Um, so this salad is looking at using uh, slices of cooked new potatoes with very thin slices of fennel and very thin slices of radish. And then you make a dressing of olive oil, lemon juice, garlic, some um, crushed mustard and coriander seeds uh, and then dress it all the vegetables with the with that dressing um but you can do it in different ways so one of the ways I quite like doing it is serving it as a warm salad so I would have everything ready and when the potatoes were just cooked and warm I would then add the cold ingredients and serve it as a warm salad mm. um so that's that's a nice way and I think that combination of those vegetables would be really nice as a roasted vegetable dish too mm. I'm just thinking that as I'm speaking it so yeah, it all sounds so yummy, I have to say. Uh, but just to round up here, um, I've got a couple of other ways or ways to cook uh, radishes because we we speak about um, using radishes in their raw form, but you can cook them, like I said earlier, for example, sautéing or roasting. And if you were thinking about sautéing your radishes, um, it would, you would just think about um, sort of sorting small or quartering larger radishes in some olive oil slowly for about 10 minutes just to soften them and then add a splash of apple cider vinegar and then top with chopped fresh herbs. So that's a really easy one. And um, and again, the the recipe from the Bon Appetit um, website, they then add bacon. So if you're not vegetarian, then that is something else that you could do just to just to um, add some flavour. And then you could do garlic roasted radishes. So season some whole radishes with some salt and pepper, coat lightly with some olive oil, or you could use melted coconut oil, add some minced garlic and just roast them for about 40 minutes. And when they're ready, just top again with some chopped herbs and voila, you've got lovely roasted, tasty radishes. Yeah, and also, I suppose you could pickle radishes. Um, And I've seen Asian recipes with uh, radishes added to soups and also to noodle dishes. So, you know, it's more of a versatile vegetable than we give it credit for, really. Yeah, indeed. So it just shows you, you can just... uh... Stretch your imagination, try some different things. Exactly. Okay, so shall we pull it all together now, Karen, for our suggestions for a one-day meal plan? Um, Yeah, let's. For our summer running. So I'll start with breakfast. So um, I was thinking that for breakfast, maybe a watermelon smoothie would be nice, um, served alongside a frittata, which would be filled with roasted tomatoes and slices of new potatoes. So 
that's quite a, a substantial breakfast, I think. Oh, yeah, that sounds absolutely delicious and refreshing. And I could just imagine you sitting out in the garden in the sunshine having that breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and for lunch, keeping it still nice and fresh and, and, and clearly summery as well. I'm thinking of the caprese mozzarella and tomato salad and serving that with a little bit of sourdough bread and a lovely crisp green salad. Yeah, and that's so simple and easy to do. So mm-hmm. it would be great to have that. Yeah. Um, so for, for an evening meal, um, so this wouldn't be a normal weekday meal, I don't think, but maybe something that you might do at the weekends or, or have with friends. Um, so maybe using that watermelon feta and mint salad that we talked about as a starter, mm-hmm. followed by some baked salmon served with the radishes, the creme fraiche and the furikake and just a simple side of new potatoes with some fresh parsley. That would be a lovely evening meal. Absolutely. And that incorporates most of the vegetables that we've been to and fruits that we've been talking about. I think there's just tomato missing there, is there? Yeah. There is, yeah, there is. It's got everything else in there. And they're just thinking about um, some snacks. Um, so you could think about the watermelon juice or making that into a smoothie. Also the tomato juice, um, maybe some cherry tomatoes with cubes of feta would be a nice snack. Um, some crunchy radishes with a little dip. I'm also thinking that we could do the tomato or watermelon granita. That would be nice and easy. Or the simplest of them all and the freshest and, um, to me, the most delicious. It's just a big slice of refrigerated chilled watermelon. So I think those would be my key snacks. So, Aileen, I think that kind of um, brings us nearly to the end of today's episode. So just before we go, would you recap on the key foods and nutrients um, from today's conversation? Yeah, certainly. So the the first food we talked about was new potatoes, and they're a great source of carbohydrate, and that's going to help fuel performance and recovery. They also contain vitamin C, uh, which is important for collagen and iron absorption. B6 for carbohydrate and protein metabolism, and they also include potassium and carotenoids. Uh, Then we moved on to talk about tomatoes, and the key nutritional property that we focused on was lycopene. Um, Tomatoes um, also can include naringenin, as well as lots of uh, micronutrients, uh, and they together will support anti-inflammatory actions. Uh, We did review some small studies which indicate that there are benefits to athletes of consuming tomato juice on a regular basis to help reduce inflammatory markers. So um, that might be something you'd like to try out. Then we moved on to watermelon and the key nutritional property that we focused on was citrulline. And citrulline is really important to help promote muscle protein synthesis and also due to its high water content Watermelon is a great food to support hydration status. Um, Then we talked about radishes, and radishes are um, part of the cruciferous family of vegetables. So we we talked about their glucosinate, uh, glucosinolates, and how they play a role in managing inflammation, stress response, detoxification, and also antioxidant activities, um, all of which are important for a midlife female runner. And finally, we looked at some lovely summer food ideas to support your nutrient status, as well as being uh, delicious and enjoyable over the warmer summer season. And I think that's uh, all the key takeaways, Karen. 
Great. Thanks for that, Aileen. And we do hope that you're all feeling inspired to try some of our food ideas. Uh, I know I certainly am. And remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to try out some new menu ideas. Many of our clients are looking for new ways to help them introduce a healthy food plan which also supports their running performance. So we designed our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and it's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your running training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. And you get the added bonus of being invited to free online trainings and Q&As with Aileen and Karen. So you'll always have the opportunity to get some personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. Please check out the program at runnershealthhub.com or if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com. We'd love to see you join us on the program. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. <music>